I want to talk tonight, today, about uh, Herod and the Magi. I've entitled the sermon, Herod's Chance. I want you to just say that word with me, Herod, all right? Herod. The family Herod. When you, when, you, when you hear the name Herod, do you feel all warm and fuzzy with that name at all? No, you don't. What was the problem with them? Because there was more than one. There was a whole line of them. Well, first of all, the Herods were full of themselves. Do you ever known anybody that was full of themselves? My kids have told me I'm full of myself, but they're wrong. And... Uh, <laughs> The Herods had power, influence, and money. They were living what many people would consider to be the dream. (laughs) But then you add in questionable integrity and maniacal self-interest and just meanness. Well, any dream they were living turned into a nightmare for others. Have you ever been around a family that kind of bartered in fear? (laughs) Ever? I have. A family you just couldn't trust. It just seemed to flow through their bloodlines. I grew up in uh, uh, northern Wisconsin. uh, We happened to shipbuilding community. And there were several large families. And and each of these families had some power. And and it wasn't because they were wealthy, uh, because most of them weren't. The power they had was fueled by fall tempers and long memories. They evoked a fair amount of fear in our town. You knew if you offended one, you've offended them all, and they usually tried to get even. One such family was the Larberts. Now, before I go any further, I need to inquire, are there any Larberts out here? (laughs) Okay, there are none. I just need to be careful because, man... There was a million of them, it seemed. Four or five brothers and six or seven children each. And I lived across the street from one of the families for for quite a while. And I I remember one day playing basketball one-on-one with a Larbert. His name was Timmy. He was 15. I I, I was about 11, actually, 11 or 12. And it was an ugly game. He pounded on me. He followed me on every shot. He tripped me. He called me names. It wasn't the first time I'd played him, but that day, I'll tell you, just enough had become enough. And so I just resolved to beat him, this 11-year-old kid, this 15-year-old kid. And, uh, and so I battled through every insult, picked myself up each time he pushed me down, just refused to give in, and I beat him. I beat him bad, easily. I mean, it, was, it wasn't even a contest. And his reaction he started to push me around, accuse me of cheating, telling me that I couldn't tell anyone, don't you dare tell anyone, that you beat me. And so I did a stupid thing that felt great at the moment. Have you ever done one of those things? Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you do, have done stupid? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a stupid thing that felt good at the moment. I, I, I threw the basketball at him. I was tired of him picking on me. I was tired of being bullied. And so I just took the ball, had it in my hands like this, and just smacked him swear in the face. Hard enough that it added added injury to insult. I'm not telling any kid that's here, don't, that's this. But, boy, it felt good. (laughs) It did, it did. You know what I'm talking about? For about this long. 
for about this long. Then I realized what I had done. I had put myself on the enemies list of not just Timmy Larbert, but his family and his extended family. An entire clan I knew would be after me. For a good while, I was running from Timmy Larbert, his brothers, his sisters, his uncles, his aunts, his cousins, his grandparents, their cats, dogs, gerbils, and hamsters. I mean, everywhere I looked, I thought I saw a Larbert. You see, what I had done is I had pushed back against a mean family. I violated a cardinal commandment. You never embarrassed a Larbert because I knew they would come after you with a vengeance and they'd try to hurt you. That was the Herods. Offend one, you offended them all. Fight one, you fought them all. They were vicious, they were mean, and they were unforgiving. They were murderers, connivers, manipulators. They were kingdom seekers, but not God's kingdom. And there was one, the one we read about in the scriptures today, the one linked to the Magi. He had issues. Really, he had issues. Here's one thing that history teaches us. Powerful people like to retain power. They don't give it up easily. When something comes into play that might upset their power base, they pay attention. The Magi coming to Jerusalem was an attention getter for for Herod. Wise men coming from the east, coming with just one intent. They wanted to find Jesus and worship him. Imagine the look on Herod's face when the visitors asked him. They said, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And this great line from the scripture we just read that said, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. (laughs) Really? (laughs) He was disturbed. Of course he was. He's probably thinking, wait a minute. Influential people coming to find the king of the Jews. First of all, why didn't I know about this? (laughs) You know, whose head's going to roll for this? And if there is a new king of the Jews and the thing in front of my name, Herod, is king, (laughs) what's going to happen to me? And you can just see the paranoia starting to set in, can't you? That's what happens. This was an interruption of his life. And we know he didn't handle the interruption well. But here's what I believe. I believe he could have. Well, sometimes when people read Scripture, I think we make a big mistake. And we read about someone like Herod, and we say, well, he was just destined to be a foil in God's cosmic design because it served a divine purpose. I guess that's a way to look at it, right? But then I get to thinking, I said, well, what kind of God is that? God that's setting people up to be a foil in this cosmic design. Uh, what I know about this, God is this. I really do believe that God is good. And I really believe that God is good all the time. How about you? Do you believe that? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And I know God is so good that he gave us the most wonderful of gifts. Hold out your hands like this. Just hold it out. He gave us this gift called choice. 
And choice is something we should just bring into our heart and treasure. It's, it's a beautiful thing. He created us with free will, and he honors that allowance. He's a God who wants to, us to choose well. He doesn't rejoice in bad choices. Do you know that God's your biggest cheerleader? He gives us opportunities to do what is right, even after a lifetime of doing what's wrong, because that's how God rolls. I mean, that's really how God rolls. And so, so this is what I wonder. If I was reading this scripture, I was going through it, because I was going, what's new in this for me, Lord? What, what haven't I seen before? And so I wonder if God, who is so good, didn't think that Herod, who really wasn't a good man, all right? We got that straight. There's a good God and somebody who is not a good man. I wonder if God didn't say, he needs another chance. He needs another chance to follow me. And so as he sent the Magi to worship his son, I wondered if he didn't also didn't send the Magi to be an interruption for Herod, that that encounter with the Magi could have changed the trajectory, trajectory of his life. Do you believe that? In that moment when he met the Magi, could, could that have been a God-ordained life interruption that it could have changed the trajectory of his life? A life interruption that might stir the heart and mind of Herod to stir him enough for him to say, you know, it looks like God is up to something. Hmm. I wonder what he's up to now. In other words... Could Herod have been, been, been being given at that moment a fresh start, a new beginning? Could God have used the Magi for multiple reasons, not just the one we talk about every year at Christmas where they came to adore the Christ child? And, and, and I say yes, because I think that's how God rolls. I think he has multiple, multiple purposes and all kinds of things that are going on. You know, we really don't know a whole lot about the Magi, but they are honored in Scripture for a long journey with the sole intent of worshiping the Savior. The attitude and posture of the Magi stands in stark contrast to the habits and actions of Herod. And that attitude, that posture of the Magi could have been Herod's road to redemption. It was as if God was saying, here's an alternative way of living. It's an attitude of service. It's an attitude of worship. It's an attitude of adoration with your whole being. And Herod, I think, was being given an opportunity to join in the worship. But once again, Herod chooses the road to easily travel. He refused to embrace the interruption the way God most desired. I happen to believe that God's deepest desire was that the godly intent of the wise men would, could have influenced Herod to repent. And don't you think that would have been a good thing? And it didn't work. Herod bowed to ego and fear, not Jesus. He was just afraid. He was afraid that the Magi were telling him that a new sheriff was in town and that he'd be the odd man out. And so for a brief moment, he didn't turn to real worship he faked it. <laughs> and he said, yeah, 
Go investigate where this uh, Savior is. Go to where the, you know, the, the, the star leads you, leads you. And then come back. Tell me where he is because I'd like to worship it. I'd like to worship him too. And it was a sham. It was a lie. It was fake. At the moment of choice, Herod chose not to become a worshiper of God. That's what it boils down to. Herod didn't join in the worship. He pretended he wanted to, but he could never get past his nasty. <laughs> Instead, he put into motion some rather ugly things, which caused deep sadness for Bethlehem families and forced Mary, Joseph, and Jesus to hit the road running to Egypt, where they were refugees and then immigrants, far away from what they knew and treasured. Herod could have chosen to worship the real God. Instead, he chose to worship himself again. So that's the big deal for us, huh? What's the takeaway? You know, why does this, any of this matter? First of all, I think, as we've said all through this series, God is always putting people and events into our lives to get our attention. I believe that even today, on December 28th. Maybe something will happen in this service, or has already happened, will happen in this service, and this could be your magi moment. Perhaps God is tugging at your soul, saying, you know, I'm up to something, and it does involve you. Do you want in on that? Do you want in on it? I was thinking about that question all week because I don't ask you to consider questions that I don't consider myself. I was thinking about a life dedicated to worshiping God. I felt God was saying, do you want, do you want to go deeper into this, Mike? Do you want in in a deeper way? got an email uh, from a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Kevin Honore. And it helped talk about the power of worship. Kevin is a, is a missionary uh, uh, from New Zealand. Big guy, about 6'5", you know, 240 pounds. He looks like Shrek. And uh, uh, just a good guy. I can't wait for them to come and visit. He and his wife, Helen. Helen, by the way, calls me cheeky. Do you think I'm cheeky? <laughs> she calls me cheeky. And, uh, and uh, Kevin gets to go into uh, parts of the world that many of us don't and to visit with people that many of us probably wouldn't want to visit. Uh, but he was in Cairo. And uh, he says, uh, he says uh, I, I was in Cairo. I went to a church that was all South Sudanese people. people mostly came to Egypt as refugees. That's, that's what we're seeing in this world of ours. People are moving all over the place because the tyranny is so bad in other places. As they sang and worshiped, I joined in. He says, I, I clapped, I moved my feet around and joined it. I, I don't think he has a sense of rhythm at all, so it could have been really amazing. And, uh, and he says, I was just there taking it all in. He's a very prayerful man. And... Uh, I, and then they asked me to speak for about 10 minutes to encourage them. And he says, I did that. I brought them greetings from the church in New Zealand, 
said some things, spoke a little bit from the Word, but they really had an, another main speaker. And then I, re- I had another appointment with another group of people, so I had to leave. And uh, so I left, and as I left, I, I passed the guy, the speaker. Uh, he says an Egyptian guy in the front row. The next day, uh, I was with a group of South Sudanese who were at the church that morning. When they saw me, they ran over to me like we were old friends and started shouting and jumping around. I said, what's going on? And one one of them said, your message was so powerful yesterday. (laughs) He thought to himself, really? Really? It wasn't much. And I said, yeah, but how's the other guy's message? Oh, it was boring. (laughs) Not very good. And he says, well, how come? And they said, well, you joined in the worship, (laughs) and he didn't. He came to speak at us, but you joined in the worship, and he didn't. They were paying him a great compliment. You joined in the worship. Your message was better because of your worship. Your message smelled of God. You joined the worship. So did the Magi. They were all in. They didn't embark on a simple journey, not by a long shot. The trip wasn't to Hinsdale and back. <laughs> it was a long voyage, you know. Whatever they did to get there, it took a long time. It took their body, their mind, their heart, their pocketbook all in. Herod chose to fake faith. He mouthed the right words. He feigned interest in the things of God. He was willing to use religion to advance themselves. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had a Herod moment in your life? Herod day? Herod week? Herod month, a decade. <laughs> Oftentimes when I read scripture and I come to these people like Herod, I identify more with them. Uh, and sometimes I do with the good guys. You ever put on a mask of spirituality? You ever feign interest in the things of God? Ever mouth the right words in the right way to curry favor with others or to gain brownie points with God? Could it be that you've been in the same place in your faith journey for so long that it's ceased to be a journey anymore? I don't know. But here's the deal. If the answer is yes, going through the motions if you can identify with Herod more than the Magi, or even just a little bit, then perhaps God is using this time to say to you, I gave Herod another chance. Right here, right now, I want to give you another chance. You can take a step towards Bethlehem. Come and worship the Lord. Let's pray as the worship team comes forward. Almighty God, I just confess there's uh, 
moments in my life when I just uh, oh Lord what I'm trying to say is I, I just want to be more like the Magi I want to put sin away I just want to move forward I want to be on this journey of worship this journey of adoration I want my eyes focused on you and every step of the way I want to be a difference maker for your name's sake and I know the people in this room want that same thing Lord cleanse us of all unrighteousness help us to go to Bethlehem to stand before our Lord and Savior with open arms and say we love you we adore you we are yours and all God's people said amen